Next Chapter Podcasts. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hi, I'm Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On podcast series at Next Chapter Podcasts. Shakespeare's plays often call for music. There are songs to be sung by characters of all stripes, from the witches in Macbeth, to the fool in King Lear, to Moth in Love's Labor's Lost. But the play that calls for more songs to be sung than any other in the canon is probably Twelfth Night, which is now a podcast series produced by us here at Next Chapter Podcasts. With all the music that is in this series, I wanted to get a look at just how much is actually involved in recording all of those songs that occur throughout the story. So I brought on our own production team into this bonus content series for Twelfth Night today so that we could have our own kind of song exploder, as our sound designer, Lindsay Jones, said. This episode is part of the Play On podcast, and with me are the composer of the music for Twelfth Night, David Rifle, one of our veteran engineers and sound designers, the Emmy Award-winning maestro, Daniel Benchimon, our phenomenal sound designer of the Twelfth Night series, Lindsay Jones, and our managing producer at Play On Podcasts, Next Chapter's very own Robert Capadona, whose studio, New Monkey Studios in Los Angeles, handles all of our mastering. So together, we're going to examine all the elements that go in to making our music. Daniel, David, Lindsay, and Robert, welcome to Next Chapter Podcast and the Play On Podcast bonus content series for Twelfth Night. Great to Thank be you, here. Michael. Good to be here. David, I want to start with you. Uh, David, you create music, words, and sound for the theater in the Boston area and across the U.S. You've written over 20 musicals, many of yeah. them created during your time as resident composer for the Cornerstone Theater Company, which is where our director, Christopher Liam Moore, got his start and where Amy Brenneman, the star of our Twelfth Night series, got her start as an actor. Uh, and at Cornerstone, as we know from previous conversations, used to settle in small towns to create musical adaptations of classic plays through working with local artists and actors. Uh, you've recently written the lyrics and co-wrote a book for the musical Cupcake. Uh, you're presently finishing a book, Music and Lyrics for Glory. Uh, you're active as a theatrical sound designer, stage director, and musical director, and you teach at the Berkeley College of Music. So what makes you think that you can just waltz in <laughs> and start <laughs> composing music? You upstart nobody. <laughs> it, is, it is the question that I ask myself every day. What the <laughs> hell do I think I'm doing? Yeah. David, uh, clearly not your first walk in the park with this 
particular uh, uh, medium or this particular play. In fact, you have a long history with Twelfth Night. Can you tell us your relationship with this play and uh, how it has fed into your imagination and creating the music that is in this series? Yeah, uh, I have. This is the third and a half production that I've done. And I call it the half production because this one is, of course, based on a production that I did at Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2016. Um, but uh, I have written essentially three scores, uh, three different scores for Twelfth Night, all of which have been set between 1930 and 1957. So they've all been set in uh, um, in mid mid twentieth century, uh, and uh, so many many years ago, I did a production that was set in the nineteen thirties. It was supposed to be a screwball comedy, and I actually we're we're going to be talking about the song "Come Away," uh, and it's. When I first approached it in that first production, I thought that it was kind of a throwaway song. There's a line about, oh, sing us that old fashioned song. There's something like this. So I wrote an old fashioned song, which meant that I went back to like the 1890s. Um, and then, uh, you know, the second production that I did was done in the 1950s. So I did kind of cool school jazz uh, based on, I actually based that come away on a tune by modern, modern jazz quartet, um, the tune Django, which is one of my favorite pieces. And that started turning me toward, oh, you know, there's actually something going on in this uh, song. And then when I wrote this version for the OSF production, um, Chris's conception of, of the piece as one that is about grief and about people who have, um, uh, who have suffered the death of loved ones, moved this song very much from the periphery very much to the center of not only the scene, but of the whole score. So this song ended up being quoted again and again throughout the score. Uh, why, why does this song in particular speak to you? And, and can you give us a little bit of context for, for the listeners, just to remind us, it, it's in episode three of this series, what is happening and, and why is this such a poignant piece? Well, this is a song that is sung by Festi at the request of Duke Orsino, um, who has heard that Festi, who has heard him sing this song before. It's a song that the lyrics are come away death. Uh, it's basically grieving, uh, a lost love and saying just, I may as well die now because everything that I love is gone is the context of it. In this case, uh, Viola, who has suffered the loss of her brother, 
and who is pretending to be a guy named Cesario, who is uh, who is serving the Duke, who she has fallen in love with in her guise as a young man. Um, uh, it uh, she eventually joins in this song uh, because this song touches her and it became all about the love that was unspoken between them. It's Orsino who asks Festi to sing it, correct? Yes, and Orsino is, you know, Orsino is an interesting guy because he is wallowing in this love that he has for Olivia that is unreturned and he loves to wallow in it. So there's something a little bit over the top in how he acts, but this is the moment when it goes from just being about, oh my God, I'm in love to, oh, something is happening to me. This is Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On podcast series. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with the creatives behind the scenes. To listen to the full interview, join the Play On supporting cast for just $5 a month, which by the time you hear this might be less than you'll pay for a gallon of gas. You'll get in-depth interviews featuring some of the most brilliant artists working today. You'll also enjoy ad-free episodes of the Play On podcast series. Subscribe today for $5 a month. Join the cast. Go to ncpodcast.com and sign up today. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next Chapter Podcasts.